Are you a business owner looking for real advice and input? You're in the right place. From concept to launch to growth, funding and beyond. Welcome to Startup Hustle with your hosts. One once sold a business for $150 million. The other, the author of Million Dollar Bedroom. Here are your hosts of Startup Hustle, Matt DeCourcy and Matt Watson. And we're back with another episode of Startup Hustle live from Global Entrepreneurship Week in Kansas City. Matt DeCourcy here with Matt Watson. Hi, Matt. What's going on, man? I'm just trying to wrap my arms around this amazing studio audience that have come out to support us tonight. Can, can we hear from the audience? Wow. We're also live on Instagram, right? Yes. All right. Can all of them cheer? Hello, Instagram. Let's hear from you. So anyway... Global Entrepreneurship Week, it's a, it's a real thing here in Kansas City, and there's a whole lot of events going on, like happy hour and other stuff. But with that, we've invited some local people to come and actually ask us questions. So, and one, an, an interestingly more prepared episode with this massive audience, I don't know how we're going to keep them quiet. Well, hopefully we get a lot of audience participation. We will. Yeah. They've all asked these questions. So we're going to go ahead and dive right in. So we've allowed the people that have come here to to write down their questions, and we're going to answer them. Um, I feel like I kind of want to, you know, it's but where to start. Okay. <laughs> Should we start with the most fun one first? Yeah. And like really <clears throat> see how interested the listeners are? Yeah. Now I'm going to say that one for a second. Okay, um, man, I can't answer that one either. All right, I wanted to see what we're getting to. Okay, what kind of equipment should I use if I want to shoot a YouTube and a podcast at the exact same time? Matt, do you want to answer that? Because I know you take the lead on a lot of our technical stuff. Uh, the answer is it's complicated. <clears throat> and uh, don't use Wi-Fi. Well, I mean, I think the answer that goes with that is actually, uh, so we, in our normal studio, we use Amiibo camera um we can capture the live sound of that pretty easily uh, it also lets us do video i will tell you and if you're listening from mevo i hate you um it's you'll have a love hate with the equipment but uh, it does do a lot of stuff we use mevo and we record that into live stream so you can do a lot to capture the actual audio file that goes with it and get a video at the same time um what we what we actually do for the audio though is the microphones that you see right in front of us these are sure unidirectional microphones we run it through a soundboard and we use an online platform called zencaster um zencaster is great zencaster is probably the most important of all of it it is actually and the reason that i really like it is that um zencaster has a audio has a post-production button and so with that at the end of this i'll hit that and it runs it through i'm pretty sure it's powered by magic but it takes out a lot of the ambient noise and, and different sound. A lot of the echo that we hear and your guys' noise probably goes away. It will. So the next question is, what's the number one reason that prevents people from starting a business? This question came from Zach uh, Arend. And we're going to shout out createpurpose.net. You want to go ahead and go first? I think it's just because they don't have the confidence to. Yeah, I was going to say fear. I think there's that, you know, starting a business is, is a journey into the unknown. You're going to, you know, you're going to test your intestinal fortitude. Well, and as we've learned from talking to some of our guests, it's even more likely that uh, women don't start a business because of that reason, right? Uh, yeah, I don't. Yeah. And that's been an interesting topic because the numbers behind entrepreneurship are, are really, well, they're pretty dude centric, mm -hmm. um, but you know, I think that maybe on a personality level, guys are a little more, more risk-takers. They're a little more riverboat yep. gambly. Um, so I, I really think that fear, um, you know, because when you're playing with your, are you throwing, <laughs> we have the audience throwing, said, well, I'm being, but I'm being, uh, you wanted honest answers. Now, oh, man. S says the lady, she threw her question at me. I can't, I'm ready to answer. <laughs> so we have an unruly crowd here tonight all sixty thousand people here are going crazy i could you believe the extra security got here in time to deal with crowd management I, I think in general the the problem is everybody has lots of ideas but they just don't follow through with the action yeah i agree i mean 
everybody knows somebody who has some idea of something, but they're not willing to put the time into it. You know, right. they're willing to sit around and watch football on TV or do whatever dumb shit, but not actually work. And you, you know, I often say you got, sometimes you have to jump and build wings. I mean, and you know, like I, I really didn't want to get into anything that was related to male, female. I don't even don't like, I don't even like labels. Like you're an entrepreneur, you're a founder, whatever. I don't really care if you're male or female or whatever. Um, you know, but the, I mean, these are le legitimate questions as far as that. But the reason I think what, what do we kind of mutually agree? It's just kind of being scared. It is. Afraid, yeah. yeah. And it's or not knowing what to do. OK. Feeling this, overwhelmed. This next question is serious. And our answers, our listeners are probably dying to know the answer of this. And this is from Doug, who has opted out of the shout out. Matt, how many breeds of cats can you name? We realized wow. that we said you can ask whatever question, and they did. Aren't they all tabbies? Okay. Well, how are we going to do this? Because if I name the breeds of cats that I know, then you're going to hear a bunch of them, and you're going to beat me. I'm going to say that's a great question. I would say I could maybe do three. Uh, tabby. Well, you know what? Red. You know, this is how I'm going to crush you. Tiger, White. Tigers. Long hairs. Short-haired. No-haired. You win. Thank you. Thank you, Doug, for your amazing question. Um, what is your favorite podcast? And you cannot name your own. And do you believe in ghosts? These closely related questions. I'm going to let you field first, Matt. Okay. So I only listen to one podcast, and it's called 90 Day Gaze. And it's a, a review show of 90 Day Fiance. Right. That's it. Um, I, you know, it's funny. I get this question a lot. People ask me what, what podcast do you like? Um, I mean, if I, the only other podcast I've ever really listened to is Joel Goldberg's. Oh yeah. And I mean, I really do enjoy Joel's podcast. Joel has a different approach. You know, he's a professional interviewer and, um, really has a, a great way when it comes to, you know, I, I don't know, asking interesting questions and, you know, for those of you that might not be familiar with Joel, he's the guy that interviews people after the Royals game on the field and often gets doused with a bucket of Gatorade by Salvador Perez. I listen to the podcast I listen to just because it's hilarious. It's just very funny. It's entertaining right. Entertaining for me. How many breeds of cats do you think they can name? <sighs> Probably way more than we can name for sure. By the way, if you're listening and you can, in the comments of the image that we post related to this podcast. It, it, I would like to challenge our listeners to name as many breeds of cats as they can, in which I will give you Doug's email address and he will send you, <laughs> he will send you a prize. Um, yeah. As for, you know, it's uh, it, back to the podcast question. Oh wait, do you believe in ghosts? No, I don't either. Mm -mm. No. Do you believe in aliens? Yes, I do too, but I don't believe in ghosts. I think once you're dead, you're dead. Okay. And thank you, Craig, for that question. I'm sorry if I didn't give you a hot lead on, on podcasting. Um, I actually do listen to our own podcast occasionally. I listen to about one out of every 100. Yeah, about one out of every 20. <laughs> well, you learn a lot of listening. Yeah. When you listen, you figure out the goofy stuff that you say too much or that you sometimes go, ah into the mic or i often listen to you yawning oh come on end of the mic yeah can you really hear the yawns yes damn zencaster fix that yeah shit. well i don't think they can when you yawn right into it all right next question what is a good way to escape the grind i think i mean i think all of us struggle with the problem of working too much and needing to take a break for sure um, I think as I've gotten older, I've definitely come to appreciate the fact that I've got to step away and I've got to, I can't, I can't work 12 hours a day, 16 hours a day, whatever. I can't do it. You, you know, Matt, I honestly, since I've known you, it's been like, what, two and a half years now or whatever. You, you are pretty good at that. And I don't think that that's easy. I think, uh, you know, especially as an entrepreneur, you get wrapped up in whatever it is that you're doing. And I, I'm really bad about that. And I've, and it's gone through phases for me when I was younger, I definitely would work 70, 80 hours a week, whatever. And it wasn't a problem. Like I could be in the car in the backseat on a laptop working. Like I, 
nonstop, but these days I can't do it anymore. Yeah. Well, I go through phases. Yeah, I do too on some levels. Um, I think when it, you know, it's, it's funny cause in relation to a question like this, um, you know, I, a, a long time ago when I was on my first wife and I've had two wives named Jill. So when we were on, when I was on Jill one, um, I was working a lot and she wanted me to, to learn how to do something different. And so I tried a whole bunch of different stuff. I tried all different kinds of hobbies. I tried playing golf and doing a bunch of different stuff. And I came to the conclusion that I really like making money. That's your hobby. So I made my hobby making money and I have not worked a single day since. I love software development and, you know, sometimes at work I spend a lot of time in meetings and doing a bunch of shit I don't want to do and whatever. And so actually when I'm at home and I have an extra hour or something after my kids go to bed, I can actually go write code. Like I can actually do software development and I just find that relaxing and fun. Okay. As weird as that sounds. Johnny's turning knobs Uh-oh. in front of us. What are you doing? Oh, turning me up. Are we that? I feel, I hear myself really loud in my ears. Um, so yeah, I mean, as far as get away from the grind, um, you know, that's, uh, I mean, really like an honest answer with that is, you know, I, I have two kids I have a three-year-old and a five-year-old. Um, this morning I taught my daughter what profit is and I'm not kidding. I really did. It's not a man with a white beard. Yes. And can you actually turn that back down? Because it sounds kind of echoey. Yeah, it's feedbacky now. So, sorry, live audience. Um, it's hard to get sixty thousand people to hear what you're saying. I, I think one of the other things that's key to the grind is you've also got to celebrate your successes. I think that's the one of the things that people really forget to do. Right. Is you know, as you have different milestones and different achievements, you actually you need to stop and celebrate them, especially if you have a team that works with you. Like it's even more important to the team than it is to you. If you know, as the entrepreneur, the team wants to feel and celebrate that success. Yeah, I think celebrating victory is a big thing, and you know, it, and these don't have to be like massive monster things. I don't, have you ever worked somewhere that like had a gong or like something like a bell you could ring, or you know, when I uh, when I was a sales manager at the music uh, musical instrument retail chain, this is a long time ago. We had a we had a trophy, uh, and I bought this thing for like twelve bucks, and it and it said the loving cup on it. And I probably got more mileage out of that trophy than anything that I've ever seen because everyone wanted that cup on their, on their desk. And we would give it to whatever, uh, whatever store got the highest percentage of their sales goal, not the highest amount of sales, but the highest percentage of their goal to make it fair. And I'll tell you what, man, our, our salespeople, they got real competitive over it. And, you know, you call them up and you'd be like, Hey, what's going on there? I mean, I'm just sitting here with my feet up on the desk, drinking out of this loving cup, <laughs> yeah. you know, and like, and, and they people really, get motivated by the weirdest little things, yeah, right? Yeah, but it doesn't have to be massive. But I think that some of that, you know, you can have fun with what you're doing and, and kind of make it not feel like a grind. And then, I mean, sometimes it's just like, don't maybe, maybe don't, don't take everything See, too serious. Another thing we do at Stackfy, um, we, we do now what we call last Fridays and you've yes. seen this in our yes. office and it's this Friday uh because on thanksgiving we've moved it up a week so we take a couple hours on the last friday of the month and we do what we call forced fun it's like a fucking <laughs> dance party in there man <laughs> no yeah. but we like play games and have drinks and we had karaoke and you know whatever and for we have we all it's funny the software developers in our office hate it all the salespeople and stuff, they're all about like drinking the beer and bullshit and whatever. I the software that. developers are all hidden in the dark corner still, heads down, <laughs> writing code. We have to drag them out and get them to participate. But come be social. Yeah. Now, it, get away from the grind, right? Like but wait, forced fun. But wait, Matt, there's more. Oh. This unnamed person who doesn't want a shout out. Also would like to know what's the best slash weirdest startup idea I've heard. Oh, I've got a good one. Lay it on me. Okay. So I met with a guy once that was trying to figure out it, it was like cheaper to manufacture stuff in China, but the turnaround time was too slow. So he was trying to figure out how to manufacture stuff on a ship. So while the ship was leaving China on the way to the United States, it could get there faster, but be manufactured. It was really weird. Wow. Yeah. I couldn't even make this up. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, so that's the weirdest. Um, 
You know, I'm not going to say the weirdest, but, you know, it was actually, so I'll share a, a global entrepreneurship week story. And the last time I did this was in 2017 and I gave a presentation. I can't even remember what it was about. And at the end, I had a guy waiting for me out in the hallway and he had a business plan and he wanted to hand it to me, which first off, and I, if I ever run into this guy, he's going to fucking punch me in the face. <laughs> I've told this story too much. Well, first off, he hands me a business plan for a dot com he wants to launch, but it says contact me at so-and-so at Yahoo. Not a good, not a good start, people. Like you're going to launch a dot com, but you want me to email you at like, you know, sporty guy. Register your own damn email domain, people. You're not going to start your tech company if you can't start a domain name. But this guy goes, man, I have got an idea that's going to take down Amazon. Oh, baby. Here we go. And I literally looked at this guy and I had been not feeling well that day. And when I'm, I I become pretty unfiltered and I was like, dude, I don't even want to hear it. And he was like, what do you mean? And I was like, because you don't stand a chance. Yeah. Like, I mean, they had a sex tape of Jeff Bezos and that didn't even get it done. So, and that's true. Now he's worth half as much. Can as you buy was. that on Amazon? I, <laughs> possibly. But yeah, as far as like weirdest now, I don't know if that's, de- that's weird, but um, yeah. And then some of these things like, well. I don't know what, I mean, when you look at like what some of the best were the best startup ideas ever, all the ones that I've laid on you. No, 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 no. I mean like not even the one about full scale where <laughs> we ended up with 180 employees. That one worked. Yeah. I loved we all the, uh, the blockchain ones that were going to do everything there was, oh, but redoing yeah. it with blockchain. Yes. Because, you know, doing it with the database wasn't going to work. That was that's al- that's blockchain. almost like on Silicon Valley where Jin Yang has like <laughs> he's like I've got the Chinese Pied Piper and it, it, yeah so hot dog not hot dog yeah that's a different subject all right um no oh, this is a great question what's the scariest thing you faced as an entrepreneur I I'm gonna say going broke yeah it's it's failure yeah right I mean yeah. when that's what's interesting about startups is. Startups that are flush with cash are probably, in a lot of ways, at a little bit of a disadvantage from the ones that don't have the cash, and they have to get shit done, right? When you don't have cash, and you, you've you got a gun to your head at all times, it makes you move, it makes you do shit, right? And actually having a lot of cash sometimes can make you very lazy. Yeah, and it makes you, it makes you not solve problems yeah. the way that you would, and and. By the way, what you just mentioned is usually results in later at a later date not having cash. Yeah. Because you should always be managing. Well, I don't want to say always. I mean, being cash conscious is, you know, money is a finite thing, especially in startups. And if you develop a track record of spending it poorly, good luck getting someone else to give it to you. Yeah. But, you know, it's, and to be very candid and frank and the, the very same thing is like, you know, another thing too is once you've found success and you have, say you have a million bucks in your bank account, it becomes even scarier to think about going broke because I never wanted to be the guy that had a million dollars, like that past tense version of it. And I know a lot of people aren't, aren't scared with that, but, and, you know, and a million dollars sounds like a lot of money. You, depending on your age, you might not even be able to retire on that these days, but it's not a lot of money. No, it's, I mean, it can go pretty quickly. And then I think the, you know, and then I think the second scariest thing that I faced as an entrepreneur is the responsibility and stuff you have to deal with when it comes to the employees. Cause I, yes. I look at like the employees and the people that work with, and I say with me, not for me, because the success of my companies does not occur without the people that do the work with us. I work for them. Yeah, totally. And we say that to our employees a lot, and uh, except for the two that are here tonight, because it'll go to their head. They'll start telling us stuff to do, which we could probably use on many days. But no, like you, the especially when you have a lot of employees too, there there becomes this. You have this responsibility to take care of people. Absolutely, and it was uh, it was uh, at the night that you won the Masters Award. So Matt won an award for being a master entrepreneur. Congratulations! A year or so later, but yeah, but it was a it was. I mean, this was a big deal. Like there were billionaires that won this award with him. The guy Bob Bernstein, the guy that invented the Happy Meal, the founder of Beauty Brands, other people like, and this was a big deal. But I went and listened to Terry Dunn, and he said, you know, during the times that as a CEO and leader of a company. During the times that things are tough, I have to 
take all of that weight and hold it up on my back so it doesn't collapse on the people that work with me and for me. I have that responsibility. And then during the times that things are going well, I have to find ways to distribute that success in a way that everyone knows and understands that they did it. And until you've been in that seat, like it's really, it's hard to, it's hard to describe that weird feeling that it, but it's like, you know, being a parent or a, a, a sibling of all these folks and, you know, they have families and want to, that's a rabbit hole that once you start diving down and thinking about the level of responsibility gets pretty high. Yeah. I mean, you're responsible for all the good and all the bad, right? And you definitely got to share in the good, but when it comes to the bad, a lot of times you got to bottle it up and deal with it. Yeah. And by the way, so this is, this is the second part of that question. When things get scary, how do you push through it as on, as an entrepreneur? Now you mentioned bottling it up. I, I, like to think of it more as like putting in a vice and crushing it. Yeah. Like the bottling it up part, the problem that comes with that is sometimes that much like a carbonated anything, it can explode. Like meaning your sanity, your ability to deal with it like that. And that's, that's a real comment. Like this is why entrepreneurs and founders have disgusting levels of anxiety and depression. Like this is a well-documented thing. Well, one last thing on the, uh, on the previous question is I feel like, Half the time as a founder, CEO, executive, my job is really as a cheerleader. Yeah. Right. My goal, my job is to run around everybody and tell everybody how good a job we're doing and this and that and blah, blah, blah. Like, I feel like a cheerleader. I'll vouch for that. You've told me that. Good job, Matt. You've done a great job. Keep up the good work, man. Keep it up. Keep hitting those numbers. (laughs) You're going to go somewhere someday. You know, as long as I can dare to dream. Um, but the, the failure side of it, I, I think one of the things you always hear about is the fail fast. Yeah. And like, I have a friend, do, right? Do, I think people don't understand they, what that they means. They really though. don't. Like I have a friend right now that has this business. I think it's a terrible fucking idea. And like every couple months I check with them and I'm like, Oh, how's it going? Whatever. And now he's got some excuse. They always think like they're going to be the next big thing. And every time I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, you need to fail and move on to something else. Cause it's not working. The, the concept to fail fast is, uh, and so the, the next, there's a third part to this, how do you deal with failure? The fail fast is a, is a buzz phrase that's thrown around in, quote, the valley a lot. But the concept is the more and the faster you fail, the closer you arrive, the closer you've brought yourself to a real solution and a winning anything. Well, if I, if I invest the next two years of my life at, let's pretend it's full scale, what can I get out of that? Yeah. Versus if I spend that two years of my life into something else, can I get something right. more? Right? right. So if I need to fail at this damn thing so I can move on to the next thing, that's what I need to do. Right. And so, or do I keep sinking time into something that's not working? I'm going to answer the question of how do you deal with failure? I don't, I move on. I really do. I fail at stuff so much. Like I'm the biggest failure that you've met on many days. And I mean that like it's an education you've figured. Yeah. And you just move on. Like, cause the, you know, living your life and running your business, looking in the rearview mirror means you're either about to drive off a cliff or run into something you don't want to hit. You got to learn from it, but you got to move on. It's tough. I mean, yeah. And you know what? Be practical about it. Just because you fail does not mean that you are a failure. Yeah. That you're a failure. Like, I mean, I think the most successful people that I know, well, go back and listen to this podcast and t- and listen to some of the people that have been on it talk about failure and they laugh about it. Like it becomes laughable later. You're like, wow, I can't believe I thought that would work. Okay. Next question. What's the best piece of business advice you've heard? I've heard a lot of good advice. Mm. I, you know what? I'm actually going to go back to Laryl Holt talking about being, were you going to quote Laryl? Yeah. Was it the coward thing? Yeah. All right. I went. But, uh, so I think it's episode 12 and it's Laryl Holt from Carstar. And, you know, when you sit down with Laryl, so Carstar had 400 locations. It's, it's, a it was a huge company still is, uh, Laryl's the founder, but sitting down and talking to Laryl is like, you just like, we're in the same room with Yoda and the Oracle. I mean, it's true. Like he just like tells Seth, but when we sat down and went to talk to him about it, he originally, you know, he, he said, so Laryl, tell us who you are. He goes, well, Matt, I'm a coward. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he goes, I, I try to do things that no one else wants to do. And I go places where everyone will leave me alone to get really good at them. 
Now I heard that and it, I still didn't get it. It took a little bit of time to digest, but really what Laryl was saying there was, uh, don't try to take on the giants. Like I mentioned the guy earlier that was going to take down Amazon. You're not. Let's just, you're not. They're, they're, we hear, you hear about David and Goliath. Well, you don't hear about the 9,999 9, times that Goliath squashed David and it wasn't much of an underdog story. So trying to build a business around taking on Google, Amazon, you know, these massive companies, Apple, whomever, you're very unlikely to be successful. So his point there is do something that people aren't doing. And all of you that showed up tonight, we're going to give you a box. It's got my book in it and a million dollar bedroom. Read the interview with Watson because you literally talk about how in the book, how if you go down a row of houses in a nice neighborhood and what have these people done to get rich? Well, if this guy imported feathers from Zimbabwe or did something different, but there really are riches in the niches. There's a lot more merit to doing something where you can be number one, two or three right away, as long as there's enough money in it to actually matter. So yeah, and if, if you're an entrepreneur that is going to start a business, there's so many different things you could do, right? And um, you can always pick something that is a, it's a little more uh, blue ocean, right? And yeah. we talk about red ocean, blue ocean. and We'll explain um, that. So, you know, red Ma ocean. Mainly because you know, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, red ocean, there's, you know, a lot of sharks. A lot, a lot of, uh, a lot of chum in the water. A lot of, a lot of people getting ate alive, right? right. And uh, you want to go to the blue ocean where there's, there's, you know, you can just swim around like a little baby shark and be happy. Dude, all right. If anybody has kids, Matt's a real jerk for bringing up baby shark because I've had that stuck in my head all day. It's just not fair. Whoever invented that song should win a Nobel Prize and also be killed at the exact same time. But yeah, actually, I think it's a good example. I don't think the song is new at all. Actually, I actually think it's an old song. Huh? It's an old song. Is it? Somebody, re, somebody redid it and just did it better oh, and made a cute video and wait everything. Till you, wait till you meet the guy. We're going to have him on. We had a guy that um, that came to my, pod, my How to Launch a Podcast session last night, and he's been doing radio since 1942. He hosts a radio show. He's like, yeah, I've been thinking about doing a podcast. This guy's met like any and every jazz musician in the history of jazz. But yeah, he was talking about having cardboard records. So he might have an original copy of Baby Shark. Maybe. Let's never say those words again. Okay. Um, this is a great question. Um, how do you make a podcast a worthwhile part of your business? We have done that. And I mean, do you want me to answer it? or would you? Well, I think for most people, it's a component of marketing. Yeah. Right. So be it the guests that you talk to, you know, those are potential clients or the audience that you're trying to reach, you know, um, it's material that you can use for them. Um, you can even turn the the podcast into blog posts and, and those blog posts become material that you can email and search, you know, people search for them and find them on Google. Um, there's a lot of different ways you can leverage a podcast as a, a component to marketing. So Matt left the best answer for me. Thank you. All right. Um, you can, you know, last, so last night I, I spoke to a larger crowd about how to launch, <laughs> about how to launch a podcast. There's 60,000 here. And I started the, I started the thing by saying, Hey, if you think you're going to start a podcast, cause you are immediately going to monetize it and it's going to become what you do for a job. Don't even start. Cause it's not going to happen. It's hard. Like it's, it really is hard. But strategically, using a podcast strategically can make a lot of sense. In our case, like, look at the people we sit down with. Like, it's hard to get a guy like Sandy Kemper to sit down and talk about whatever for an hour. They're busy. And you can learn a whole lot by that. It can also increase your own network. Um, some of my friends have lately been joking and calling me the human LinkedIn. You know, that's actually that, probably it, one of the most beneficial parts of right? this. You know, that especially you, you're more of a networker than I am. But just all the amazing people that we've had on yeah. the podcast and the networking and opportunities that come from that. Yeah. And, and you know, then they... I don't even remember most of their They're names. suggesting other people. So one of the things, you know, at, at and Full Scale owns the Startup Hustle podcast. And that's a company that Matt and I own together. But um, we you can, you can create an army of evangelists for the brand that you are talking about. And I think you have... And the thing is, is, okay, so... 
at full scale, we did an announcement episode when we decided to start a business, but we got to episode 200 before we ever did an episode about dedicated to our own business. And you have to take that selfless approach. Like yeah. don't make it like, if you're going to make it overly shilly, like don't make the first five episodes, the first, like I haven't even mentioned yet that this episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, which normally I do mention in the front, but no one wants to hear four minutes of ads up front. And, you know, the thing is, is much like CPM, cost per milli, um, I mean, realistically, for a thousand downloads, you're going to get about 25 bucks. So unless you're like Travis Wright in the Bad Crypto Podcast yeah. and they're 8 million they're downloads, them. like... I mean, you, that's difficult to monetize. Yeah. So find some different ways. But the you can use Patreon and stuff like that. The the podcast that I listen to, they have a Patreon account, and I subscribed. I give them fifteen bucks a month because I'm huge fans of the podcast. You're such an easy mark. I'm going to create one just for this, just so we yeah. can monetize it. But podcasts are hard to monetize. Yeah. And the thing is, is much like. So I tell people that want to start a software as a service business, I'm like, you need to really know and understand how difficult it is to get $1 from people. It's hard. In general. Like people in general just don't want to come off the wallet. So trying to get people to monetize and different stuff. Now that said, um, I think there's a second part to that is if you can make yourself a subject matter expert. You can be a thought leader. Like we have a guy here that's a performance coach. And having a podcast is a good way to establish yourself as a subject matter expert when it comes to, you know, Hey, here's this. And you, people buy in and they say, okay, I'd really love to have this guy help me and teach me and do it one-on-one -on -one and not just listen like I'm on talk radio. So well, and that's where he can give away some free content. Right. 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 And people like that. And they're like, you know yeah. what? I want to hire this person. Yeah. And the world's full of free content. So, yeah. and that's another thing too, like make it not suck. All right. Oh, Matt, we should be able to answer this. Do you have any tips on building your online visibility or SEO? Lots of content, high quality content. Yeah. Content is king. So Matt's, one of Matt's businesses, Stackify, um, is, gets 1 million organic visits every month from their blog. What would a million visits to your website do for your business? Like, think about that. Like, I mean, if you had to pay a dollar per click if on you, google that's a lot of if money if you pay 25 cents a click yeah, a that would be a quarter million dollar yeah. value and they've done it all through creating quality content yep. um, these are articles that are extensive i mean they are three thousand words long some they of them are, are they are and what and here's the thing is if you want to increase your online visibility your seo you have to be committed to a long game so what takes months. So what Matt's doing at Stackify is not a long tail approach. He is going for top keywords with no, top it's very long tail. Well, it isn't, it isn't though, because you write the articles to be long and of high quality because at some point Google says, okay, this is pretty long. This isn't just junk. There so you can go for term, I don't know, like if you're trying to get found for the term blue jeans, good luck. So you have to come, there has to be something that's going to boost you up. Now, um, I'm, I'm a bit of a long tail marketer, so you can take the other approach. So you can produce a lot of content. It can be short, brief, and to the point, and you can chase more specific keyword, like, for example, um, whatever it is you do, Kansas City, and make it towards not like Kansas City blue jean companies. Uh, now you're not going to capture people that are just searching for blue jeans, but people that are being more specific search engines are very specific with yeah, that low volume, but high conversion. But if you have, but if you, if you strategically plan it and put a lot of stuff out there. Um, and then another thing too, with online visibility is make sure you take the time to make all your, all of your quote, social and online properties connect. You know, like you can go to the at Startup Hustle podcast and on Instagram and it links to something else and it links to something else and let people find that daisy chain, create that funnel. Like you're going to creating content. It's time consuming and it can be expensive. So, but it's about making noise. Yeah. Right. I mean, like the more content you can create, you can post it on LinkedIn, you can share yep. it on Twitter, you, yep. you can do all these things. And you can repurpose that content. So create just making noise. Piece. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm good at making noise. Yep. And it's amazing you know, you, you create this high quality content and again, you're giving away free information, right? Free was, valuable someone else gave it away for free and before you did. Eventually, yeah. you know, people see that they like it and then eventually they buy. Yeah. 
They're like, yeah. oh, I've been reading your blog. It's that you subject know. matter expert point. You can establish a little bit of credibility. You have to give in this day and age. You have to give away a little, a little free to get some to get something. Mm -hmm. By the way, that was the shout out goes to Leavenworth offices. Um, hopefully, I'm not going to prison anywhere near there soon. So, I'm not sure what Leavenworth offices is, but check it out. All right, next. How do you take a creative idea and make it a reality? Uh, just start. I know this sound, uh, it sounds like really mundane, but you got to actually start. Like I spend so much time around people that just talk, 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 talk. Never want to do it. Just do anything. Like Nike has it right. Just do it. Any step forward to getting your creative idea moving. Look, the baby's always ugly right away. Well, and I think the key there is val validating the idea first, yeah, sure. right? And so... And, but that's doing something. And it's doing something. But you also can't validate it with just like your buddy who's always going to be like, yeah, that's a great idea. I'm going to support right. whatever terrible idea you have. You know, you got to get out in front of who your potential customers are and validate the idea. And you would be surprised how many people you could go on LinkedIn or whatever and be like, hey, I want to buy you a cup of coffee. And I just want your advice about you some know, new hate, thing. You know, I hate it. that approach, though. Why? I don't, I hate coffee invites, dude. Like, because like. Me, it works. I won't go. Breakfast, lunch, so, whatever. You, uh, you went for one with me, but it's tough because I, if you want to get. It's someone, a numbers game. But if you want to get, no, if you want to get someone's opinion, make it easy for them to give it to you. Yes. Like saying, if I, if you want my opinion and you, and you want to have a meeting with me, anyone in this room can get a meeting with me. If you're going to come sit down in my office and talk to me. If you're going to make me get in my car, drive somewhere, you figure out who, who the fuck you are and then drive back and I'm out two hours of my day to, to do you a favor. No, I got other stuff to do, man. Like, but if you say, Hey, I'd love to, I do this all the time. You do too. Say, I'd love to, I, I got a couple of things I'd like to show you. Cool. Deliver it to me and you'll get, you'll get some better input. Can I lay on your couch tomorrow at 2 PM and tell you about all my personal problems? You're going to have to book it through my online booking calendar. Okay. Thanks to gigabook.com. All right. Thank you. But yeah, by the way, I do have a couch in my office and Matt lays on it and shouts his misgivings at so many different things. By the way, these questions are from David Carthon of KC SourceLink. Is that you? How do you say your name? David at KC SourceLink. David at KC SourceLink. Thank you. Thank you for scheduling a happy hour during our podcast. Um, how do you cope with failure? We kind of answered that, like, or maybe I did earlier, but I mean, I, it, I think failure is just part of it. The older you get, the less you care. <laughs> I mean, do you agree? Did you care more about failure when you were younger? Yeah, I don't really care anymore. You are getting pretty old. I don't really care what anybody thinks. I know. That's a problem on some days. I mean, I wore makeup and posted pictures of me wearing makeup online. That shows you how many cares I give. True. Yeah. How do you appropriately court a technical co-founder? Dude, that's hard. That's really hard. I don't think it's that hard. How do you appropriately court them? It's hard. I mean, you got to find somebody who's passionate about whatever it is you're trying to do. Yeah, but we're talking about courting. How do you appropriately do it? That's the approach. Like if I want, it's I mean, hard. yeah, but like, well, maybe when I was single, I used to just keep asking women to go out with me and eventually one would say yes. And then one married me. But it's about getting out there and asking. You got to talk to people about it. It's net networking's a big thing. Yeah, but it's this networking. is back to the thing. I think that so many we run into this a lot. Is people will be like, "Hey, I want to. Oh, if you want to guarantee that I won't give you feedback on your idea, ask me to sign an NDA because I definitely want to go through a legal process before I do you a favor. Like, don't be afraid to tell people about your idea. No one's going to steal it. And why is that, Matt? Because they're not passionate about it. They don't give a shit. Yeah. I mean, if you're not paying. You asked me about the worst business idea I can ever remember. There were probably like a thousand other ones. I don't remember any of them. Yeah. Cause I could assign NDAs it, right? for all of them. I give a shit. Right. But yeah. So, you know, I mean, go talk to people. And, you know, the thing is, is when it comes to a technical co founder, I mean, just like I said, like talk to people about what you want to do. See what you got to, you got to get an idea of what a co founder wants to accomplish. Cause just having a technical co founder does not mean that you've won or you've accomplished something. And, you got to, I think a caveat with that is you have to be careful when you are trying to find co-founders that are really wrapped up in another job. And if they have a family and they have kids and I'll tell you why, cause it's all right. So here's the day. 
This guy wakes up at 7.30 in the morning, helps the kids get out the door to school, maybe even drops them off, goes to work from 9 to 5, comes, picks the kids up, eats dinner with the family, hangs out with the family, puts the kids to bed. Now it's 9 o'clock. This person's been awake for 13 and, and a half And I'm hours. done. Yeah, and that's the point. And now you're literally going to get the butthole of this person's day. And that is really the truth. So it, it's so much easier at that point to not do anything at all than to want to help. So, yeah, you got to be careful with that. But I think you got to just ask. The, the hard part about oh, one of the good things about software developers is a lot of them do like side hustles. You know, they'll do contracting, consulting, whatever, for a few hours a week. A lot of developers do like to do this kind of stuff. So you just have to find the right kind of person. Um, one thing to be careful about is giving them like half of your company. That's my point. Too, right. Yeah, like you don't careful. want to do that either. It's yeah. got to be representative of the amount of work that they're going to actually put in. And so you may give them 5% of your company or whatever, like you don't need to give them 50% of your company. Um, but it's really hard because software developers, I mean, they can bill their time at $100, $150 an hour or whatever to do this consulting. Like they make a lot of money. So to convince one of them to basically work for free, for equity, right. it's hard. And you better have a damn good idea that is going to become something someday. And think about what the replacement value of what you're getting. Like, can you hire someone for 30 bucks an hour to do that two hours of work? Because you're better off to like hang on to your equity and do something different. If you've got the cash. Yeah. The, I mean, the problem is a lot of people don't have the money, right? They don't have any money. And so the, the best thing they can do is find a technical co-founder that will do the work for a little bit of sweat equity. Right. Like that might be the only way their business ever gets off the ground. So it's tough. That question was from Chad McFarland at Timepiece Real Estate and Team Cura. Thank you. Okay. Well, another part of that was what questions do you ask, who to ask, and when to ask? And I think we kind of addressed some of that. I, I think as long, you just need to establish with people up front, like, what do you want to get out of this? And what, and what kind of effort can I expect? Like, what's reasonable? But like I said, if you, yeah, I ask people, I say, what else is calling you in life? Like, what am I competing with? as your employer or your partner, like what, what is, what, you know, like, and, and this just is a re a realistic question. Like, Hey, I have another job. I have two kids. Like I, I play on nine sports leagues and different well, stuff. And that's, that's why startups are usually yeah. a young single people thing. Yeah. Except for there's math that shows that most startup founders are 44. Steven Wilson just walked in from Wilson creative. He's here for this massive crowd we've drawn tonight. And he has lots of questions. He's writing them Maybe. down. We're you see almost that? Out Look of at time, that. He's so, writing yeah, questions. You better like hurry. It. Okay. So a large challenge for most individuals wanting to start a business is legal concerns and question. What mm -hmm. is your advice from this? This question comes from Becca. We've done a couple episodes about this. Yeah. I would go back and, you know, here's the thing. I can't really give you legal advice because I'm not an attorney. Um, I think the the best advice is, you know, to... Do something that protects yourself. Like it's not expensive or difficult to create an LLC and it creates a layer of protection between your personal stuff and yeah. your business. And that's why that exists. And you also want to do the least amount of legal you need to because yeah, you can spend a ton of money on it. You can it. set up an LLC, but I think the best, the, the, separate yourself from your business. Don't co-mangle. Like it's not that hard to, to set up a business, to open a bank account yeah. with that business. But a few bucks in it, you know, register like, domain name, you know, the, 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 a large number of people have like, um, six credit cards, take one and only use that for the business. Right. And this is a good place to start. And, um, and then, you know, go out, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of attorneys that, you know, like, here's the thing is people are like, Oh, the, the lawyer charges 400 bucks an hour. Yeah. That person can tell you more in an hour than, you know, that it's good money spent. Because five minutes in, they've probably told you what you need to say. Now, when I call my attorney, because, well, our attorney is like 600 bucks an hour. I talk real fast. I sound like an auctioneer. You can also use LegalZoom, stuff like that. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of that stuff because I think some of that is it tries to sell you stuff that you don't need. So, you know, with that, um, I think, you know, we would be remiss if we didn't play next to yeah. while we're here. And so. we have 60,000 people to vote for the answer. Yeah, I bet. For the winner. All right, here we go. We can go by crowd noise. <laughs> What's the best relationship makeup song? Oh, that's easy. Is it "Fuck You" by CeeLo Green? That's a good one, but and I gotta go with from play. I gotta go with Mar Marvin Gaye, of course. Let's get it all. <laughs> oh man, um, 
You know what? I'm just going to let you win because I don't Woo-hoo! think I can compete with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do I get to shoot the money gun? I mean, it really is. Well, yeah. I mean, maybe. Do you want to? Yeah, of course. You, when was the last time you shot this? I don't thing? know. Can I shoot you with the money gun? How are you going to go and shoot my money gun? I got it started. Oh, my God. There's a little little premature ejection. <sighs> so, Are you ready, Breland? Wow. Perfect. You know, the funny thing about getting shot with a money gun is who's the real winner here? Because I got a whole bunch of, I'm like covered with cash right you now. You got some singles. I know. Why, is it, why do these ones have glitter on them? Oh, sorry. It seems weird. Well, anyway, man. So, you know, we answered a whole stack of questions in here. And, you know, for those of you that came and competed with Happy Hour at Global Entrepreneurship Week, we really do appreciate it. Um, you know, I think that, you know, we, we do like to end our episodes with the founders freestyle you know what matt would you like to ask me a question and maybe i will ask you a question oh could we take a different stance at this as we close it out man i wasn't prepared for this um i'll ask a question that i think would be interesting matt when you sell a company for 150 million bucks what does it feel like the day after you sign the contract feels like you lost a small part of your life small part of you is missing yeah, I, I asked that intentionally because I think that's – tell us why. Because it's – I mean, you, you put your heart and soul into something and it becomes part of your identity and part of you and you get up every day and that's all you think about. And it's sort of like losing your kid or something, right? It's like I just sold my kid to the devil. I, well, and I don't think that was the answer like. that everyone was expecting. It's kind of what it feels like. Yeah, you've used the term anticlimactic. <laughs> it's very anticlimactic, yeah. 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 Now. I mean, now the the six months before it were probably some of the f- funnest days of my life because business was good. We didn't have to sell. It's not like it was a fire sale or something. And, you know, the, the business was very healthy and we were having fun. Like business was fun. Selling it was fun. Like going around and doing the dog and pony show and going to Silicon Valley, you know, and doing all this stuff. It was fun. Um, and then all of a sudden you sign a piece of paper one day and you're like, well, what next? What do I do? I'm off the roller coaster. You know, for those of you out here with us, was that the answer you were expecting? It was? Everyone was expecting disappointment? I'm hoping to be able to answer the question myself at some point. But, yeah, I mean, I think that that you have a good point with that. And, you know, Neil Sharma kind of indicated similar. Yeah. You know, so I think that's interesting. Do you have any questions you'd like me to answer? I, I do not. You, I can. I can name three kinds of cats. That's it. What is it like to run an international business where ninety-eight percent of your employees are eight thousand miles away? That's a great question. It's hard, man. It's hard. Um, you know, if you've worked around me long enough, you'll hear me say things like keeping your finger on the pulse of your business. Which is hard. It is. It's hard when it's local. It is even harder when people are on the other side of the planet. And there are a lot, you know, and I've been dealing, I've had employees in the Philippines for over 10 years now. Uh, It'll be coming up on 11 next spring. And, you know, there's just things you don't think about like, okay, so it's uh, 9 a.m. there. I'm ready to like go to bed, man. I'm old. It's seven o'clock here. Like I'm joking, but I'm a couple hours away from my bedtime. But, <laughs> but these things make it a challenge, you know, because people inherently are up during daytime hours, and and it's just difficult. And, um, Most of our employees there work a different schedule. Well, they do, but at the same time, the, there's a lot that are there right now. Our management's right there, and sometimes, and it and it can it it can create some conflicts in your own life, and it can, you know. And I go back to that whole thing about like with a co-founder, and you're getting the bad part of the day. Well, where are you going to, it's for me, if I want to talk to someone there in the morning time, that'd be right now. Yeah. And my kids are awake and, and sometimes after I'm done with that, I'm tired. Um, so, you know, it's challenging, but it's also rewarding at the same time. Um, I mean, I, I don't think I'd give back the whole full scale story. And, you know, for those of you listening, when we started a company together less than two years ago, we got 180 employees. Um, we've had to learn a hell of a lot. The international part of it has been really fascinating. The international part of it's a real, real twist because people do ask similar questions to that. And I said, well, it's, it's the same, but different. 
it's like it's that those little it's those ten that ten percent of difference those nuances are the things that trip you up hard too like well it's it's really hard to start a business from eight thousand miles away I mean we had a couple employees mm-hmm. there and we had to we had to lean on them and be like okay go find a lawyer figure out how to open up a bank account find figure out how to license a business like all of these things like we can't do them and we don't know you know what's an interesting story with that we actually experienced like legit prejudice we couldn't open the, uh, the a bank that we wanted to open an account with said sorry we're not going to open the account for you because you're americans and we were like what and they're like yeah we won't take we don't want more than 10 percent of our account holders to be american and we're at that limit i was like wow so that's how that works yeah but it was real you know, and, and just like interesting, weird stuff. And, you know, there are some other things that were frustrating because there are certain things about um, setting up business and doing stuff like here. You can pick up the phone and call the IRS and you can have an employment ID number while you're on the phone. Yep. And we waited four and a half months to get what was called a SEC number, which is the same thing as an EIN. Without this number, we couldn't open a bank account. We, could, we couldn't sign leases. We couldn't get couldn't do payroll couldn't do anything and we sat there and the thing was there was no we had no clue we're like when, we're trying to pay you tax money we had Take no it. we had no clue when we were going to get it any of it it was a huge mess and and by the time we got it we we already had about we we're coming up on i think 30 or 40 employees I mean, it cost their government legitimately yeah. tax money that they would have made. It was a real challenge and it was, it was an obstacle. It was really frustrating. But then at the same time, there are some other things that are, are really rewarding as well. Like I feel like um, we have a true sense of appreciation um, that we get from our employees that I don't always feel I get here. And I don't mean that about the ones that are here in the room, but um, it's harder to find great employers and meaningful paychecks in foreign countries often. And so with that, you get a higher sense. Like I've never once have I had an employee here send me a thank you note for giving them their paycheck. That's happened like 25 times. I've actually asked our management to tell our employees that they don't need to do that because I have the same response every time. They say, hey, I just wanted to thank you for the payroll. I'm like, I should thank you. You're the one that did the work. Yeah. Thank so, you for doing your job. So, you know, job. it's just a different thing. Like, and I think anyone listening that has employees has probably never receive thank you notes, but you know, and like I said, these are, these are givens, but they're not givens everywhere yeah. else. So international business is different, different cultures, all sorts of things. Yeah. I have one final question for you. Oh, how meaningful is the money gun that I let you fire? <sighs> it's a pretty big deal. I know. Yeah. I know. Anyway, well, can we get a, can we get a last shout out from the live people that are here? And then, you know, like, wow, all 60,000. For those of you listening, that there are way fewer people here than that probably sounded like. But anyway, no, I really do want to thank everyone that came out. I want to thank everyone for all the great questions and thank you for supporting Startup Hustle. Yeah, lots of good questions. Thank you, guys. See you next time. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Startup Hustle with Matt DeCorsi and Matt Watson. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit startuphustle.xyz. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on Startup Hustle.